Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. My name is Craig Fields. And I am David Long. And you're listening to Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. This is week 11, and on this week's show, we'll be taking a look at a number of films. We're going to be taking a look at Entebbe, starring Rosamund Pike, Daniel Brühl, and Eddie Marzan. As well as this, we will be reviewing Life of the Party, starring Melissa McCarthy. Deadpool 2 is finally out, and it's starring Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds. And finally, we will be taking a look at Breaking In, starring Gabrielle Union. I'm so glad that intro's over. <laughs> that was the fourth or fifth take, as Craig seems to struggle today with speaking. Um, but we've got there, and Craig, we have an announcement. Yes, we do indeed. Uh, so the announcement is... We are now in partnership with Cineworld Hemel Hempstead and they've given us an exclusive code so you can get £10 off your first month's unlimited subscription. Listen out on today's show for the advert to find out more. Yes, and we'd just like to take this time to thank Paul and Dan at Cineworld Hemel Hempstead and the whole team there for uh, the brilliant welcome they've given us and we're really excited to work with them to get more people uh, watching Good films and possibly bad ones. But you won't have to see the bad ones because we'll tell you which ones they are. Yes, yeah, so listen to us and, and we'll let you know. Yes, and even more amazing, we have a lot of free cinema tickets to give away. So what we want you to do is we want you to email us uh, with your views on the show or more importantly, your views on films you've just seen. Um, the best email will get two tickets to see whatever film they want within the next six months at any Cineworld in the UK. And, ladies and gentlemen, this includes IMAX. How good is that? That is incredible. Thank you for the applause. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> IMAX, ladies and gentlemen. So two free tickets, any Cineworld in the UK, including IMAX, valued at, at around 30 quid. So well worth contacting us. We will read your email out on the show and we will announce you as the winner and then we will post those tickets to you. Absolutely. And to get in contact with us, the best way of doing so is via email and you can do that at mymailisworthit at gmail.com. You can also get in contact via Facebook. Uh, it's the standard link that you can get from our podcast. If you've subscribed, you'll just go straight there. Um, or you can hit us up on Instagram. Twitter. Twitter. Or you Twitter. can swipe right for David Long on Tinder. That's still not working out. Or Bumble. You, it? No, it isn't. Um, anyway, shall we move swiftly on and start the show in the usual way with our box office rundown? Yes. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that is right. We're back for our box office rundown for the weekend of the 11th to the 13th of May 2018. And David, what have we got at the bottom? We shall start at the bottom at number 10. And we have Razi, which is a Bollywood film. Uh, and what it's about is uh, an Indian woman um, who is a spy and she's married to a Pakistani man during the Indo-Pakistan War of 1971. Um, this jumped straight in at number 10. Uh, it is out in Cineworld. I think it's being screened once a day in our local uh, Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead. And I'm going to try and see this film this week and bring you guys a brief review of it next week. At the moment, we can't really tell you much else about it. No, good synopsis. Thank you very much. At nine, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his gorilla friend, Rampage, <laughs> um, slowly losing its Rampage as it slides down the box office to number nine. It hasn't done badly, though. It's taken 8.7 million and it has been in the box office for five weeks. Number eight, Craig. At number eight, we have Blade Runner. Uh, it's still going on at the uh, the secret cinema screenings that they have going on, uh, and it's taken £200,000 at the weekend. 
Um, so um, yeah, it's still there, still going still strong. there, uh, yeah. and it is a very very good film mm, indeed. Um, at number seven, we have the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. That's been in the box office for four weeks now, and if you haven't seen it and you'd like to know if it's worth it, please do listen to our review, which is available on week ten of Is It Worth It, the film review podcast that goes out of its way to see all of the films, include the bad ones, so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> in at number six we have a quiet place oh you didn't do the the po- oh sorry uh, in at number six we have a quiet place thank you craig uh this has taken four hundred thousand pounds at the weekend uh and for an overall total of 11 million pounds or nearly 12 million pounds uh it's been in the box office for six weeks uh i saw it again recently yep um i loved it the second time round. Still just as good. Um, obviously, you, you lose the suspense because you know certain things are coming. Yep. But still really, really good. Yeah, this is a very unique horror um, and it's very well made. I think it's one of the better horrors, certainly that's out at the moment. But mm. for the risk it's taken, I think it's one of the better horrors that have been out in recent years. And it's a horror thriller and it's also a drama as well. It is a very, very good film. Uh, above that, at number five, we have Breaking In. Um, which has been out for one week. It took 0.4 million at the weekend. Uh, it's gross 0.5 overall. We are reviewing that on today's show, along with number four, Life of the Party, starring uh, Melissa McCarthy. Um, that's taken £600,000 at the weekend and jumps in at number four. In at number three, we have Amy Schumer with I Feel Pretty. She grossed 0.9, so £900,000 at the weekend, totaling a, a gross total of £3.1 million. It's been in the box of two weeks. Um, yeah, people seem to enjoy going to this film. Yeah, it's still there. We have seen it. And what did we say it was worth it in the end? I think we did. I don't think I did. I think I did. I think you didn't. Mm. The only way to find out is to listen to week Nine? I think it was week 10, wasn't it? Week Last 10. Last week, yeah. Um, number two, we have Sherlock Gnomes. Um, and we're really excited because next week we are going to be reviewing this film and we're hopefully going to be interviewing some children and their thoughts of the film having just left the cinema. Yeah, so we've got a uh, couple of kids who are going to going to be seeing it on our behalf and reviewing it on our behalf and letting you know whether it's worth it. Oh, so we're not even reviewing it? No, it's going to be all down to them. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Um, I shall get my slippers and pipe ready. And at the t- <laughs> at the top of the pile, no surprises here, it is Avengers Infinity War. Um, that has grossed now a total of 61 million in three weeks. It's taken about 20 million pound a week on average. Pretty impressive figures. I, it, I think there's signs of it slowing down ever so slightly, but mm. it's it's going to keep going for another, I reckon, another three weeks and it's still it's going to keep going. Yeah. And, and it will probably halt a little bit. That more. was a fairly long box office rundown, but there is a wide variety of films there and a lot of them are worth seeing. So. Moving on. Well, no. No? Are we gonna, should I do the... Oh, God, I always forget. Yeah. You've got to do... So at number 10, it is Razi. Number nine, Dwayne the Rock. Wait, Don- wait, wait, wait. I don't know. There's just lack of enthusiasm there. Can you start again? Lack of enthusiasm? Yeah, yeah. Just do what you usually do. Like... When you start at number 10. Number 10, Razi. That's it. And number nine, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Rampage. Eight, it is Blade Runner. At seven, it is the tongue-twisting, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Six, A Quiet Place. Five, Breaking In. Four, Melissa McCarthy stars in Life of the Party. Three, Amy Schumer, I Feel Pretty. Number two, Sherlock Gnomes. And at the top of the pile, our friends, the Avengers, in Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> so we're now taking a look at our first film review, which is Entebbe, uh, also called Seven Days in Entebbe. And this is a film that's inspired by the events uh, of the 1976 hijacking of an Air France flight. Um, this was done by a group of terrorists, uh, a very small group of German revolutionaries, as they called themselves, and some Palestinian liberation freedom fighters. And this flight was en route to Paris from Tel Aviv uh, in Israel via Athens. 
And they ended up um, taking this flight to Uganda in Tebi, which is under the leadership of Idi Amin. Um, and basically the Israeli government have to decide whether to negotiate with the Palestinians um, or to send an elite unit to release the hostages. Um, you know, the Israeli government is in complete disarray in the sense that they need to decide whether or not to negotiate. And the Israeli government do not negotiate with terrorists. Let's uh, listen to the clip that we've got here. The Germans hijacking a plane load of Israelis, Jews. How do you think the world's going to react? You know, the only thing that we have to face is the fact that German people cannot analyze the conflict in the Near East because we are all paralyzed by guilt. West Germany is a fascist society, Juan Pablo. Perhaps it doesn't appear so to you, but those who are in charge are the same ones who were in charge under Nazism. And their guild has provided the funds which have allowed Israel to develop into an imperialist military base. We can't just read these books. We need to become them. <sighs> Annihilation is for adolescents. There's a right of revolution against political oppression and social injustice. You are not oppressed. You have a business. There's a right of revolution against capitalism. You are a capitalist, a bourgeois. We all are. If that is what you think, then we have to act. And we have to act now. I do not know what you are scared of, Juan Pablo. I am not scared of anything. But maybe you should be. I only fear a life without meaning. So that clip has uh, Daniel Brohl and Rosamund Paikin. And they are part of the, the German revolutionary group that they call themselves. And they, they feel that they are being oppressed in some manner to... And... and, and the other character that's there is sort of saying, you've you got to ref reflect and think about how this is going to look to the outside world when you do this. Mm. You know, this isn't going to look good at all. And that, that's one side of, of the film. You get these flashbacks ab about these, these conversations happening, which are relatively paced quite nicely. And then we get uh, Eddie Marzan, um, which is one of the uh, Israeli politicians, um, going back and forth with the negotiations. Uh, and then you've got the actual hijacking stuff, which is the here and the now as well. And there's lots of different elements going on within this film. But then there's another element layered over the top, which is very strange, sort of dramatic, arty dance scenes that keep going back and forward to. And... They, it feels very out of place within the film. It's a very ballsy move to make within one of these films. But to me, I don't think that really worked. It really changed the pace of the film. Um, and there were lots of different elements within the drama and the, and, and the conversational elements within the film that also slowed it all down. But then you've also got another element to add on top of that, which is the, the elite commander group going... To, to, to rescue the hostages, which is the action side of it. So there's so many different tones and paces going on within this film that it becomes a mishmash of different things and your senses are getting overwhelmed and you're thinking, where is this going? And then there's a one more scene a bit later on where Rosamund Pike's uh, character is taken out of the airport. She just walks herself out mm. into um, the main part of the airport and makes a phone call. And, and for a couple of minutes, you're sort of just looking at her doing this emotional scene. And it's just slowed the whole film down. And it just seemed almost irrelevant. Like, I mean, it was a good emotional scene, but without the context of the rest of the film, it just, it was just, it just wasn't, wasn't a good scene in this, in this film. Mm. Um, what's, what's your views that you've got? Yeah, so I, I mean, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, what I wanted to mention is that this isn't the first film that's been uh, made about this this historical event. There was actually three uh, other films uh, that were made very shortly after the event, actually. Uh, the first one was Victory at Entebbe, which was made in 1976, which starred Anthony Hopkins, Burt Lang Burt Lancaster and Elizabeth Taylor. So a pretty epic cast. And then you had two more, Raid on Entebbe and Operation Thunderbolt. And what all those three films did, not that I've seen them, but mm. from what I've looked at, is they really looked at the um, dramatic military side to this story. What were the Israelis going to do? Were they going to go in? Weren't they? How did they go in, etc.? And they looked at it in, in quite a sort of thriller, dramatic sense what this film tries to do like you said it tries to take this story and and twist it so it's not only a thriller it's also 
a political drama. And I think that's the best element of this film. I agree. Um, I think that Eddie Marsan is fantastic in the role he plays as a politician. And I think the political drama in this film is actually really, really good. And I really enjoyed it. But it tries to be a political drama, a thriller. And, and then this, like you said, strange modern dance very physical very in your face dance with with accompanying music that sort of works and and the director deserves credit for trying this because it is ambitious but it's also really off-putting and it's it's strange so what you've really got here is three different types of film and they and they feel so different. It almost feels like three films running alongside each other that are then sort of put together in a way that doesn't really feel very comfortable. And ultimately, what you're left with is a film where the director has tried to achieve more than than he can. And what he's actually done is sell himself short because I don't think he hits the the level that he wants to hit on any of those three elements. No, I agree, and I think. They, they, the emotional elements, they tries to build up those emotional elements that you, so you feel some sort of empathy for the Germans within mm. the hostage scenes. But when it finally comes to the ending, you don't get, you don't have any pathos or you don't have any, you know, emotional connection with them because you're, you, it's all taken away because there's yeah. so little of it. I mean, that scene that I said about Rosamund Pike's character, mm. they, they tried to put some emotional in there. Very, felt very forced though, it didn't did. it? And it just didn't work at yeah. all. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, what I was saying to you earlier is, to me, this this film was like a, a firework. You know, when you go and you buy a firework and it's in one of those big boxes and you mm. get all your mates around and you're really excited and you light it and it's like, shh, and it's rattling and you're thinking, here we go, this is going to be amazing. Shh, pop, pop, pop. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I felt the tension was built. I felt that particularly the political drama was was done quite well. Building up, building up, building up. I didn't know this story. um, And and that's because of my age. Um, People who were around uh, in the 70s would have known of this story because it was huge world news. So I didn't actually know the ending. So that made it even more interesting for me, but still it fell flat. It was like it built it all it up. It built it all an up. An anti-climax. An, an anti-climax. Yeah. You know, it was almost like when you have a party and two days later you find one of those helium balloons <laughs> that's gone like wrinkly and it's it's not hit the floor. It's not like hit the rock bottom, but it's not a helium balloon. It's just sort of bouncing around limply. Yeah, That's what this film was. It had potential to be so much more. And if it had focused on one element of the film, if it had been a thriller, it could have worked. If it had been a political drama, it could have worked. But even with the political drama element and the actual action side of it, combine those two together, it could have been... But there would have had to have been more flow between it because it felt so separate. Yeah, yeah. And then the the uh, sort of quite strange modern dance thrown in. Yeah, get rid of that completely. I mean, I don't know. I thought it worked, but it was... <laughs> It was With just, all the other elements in there, it, it it's a bit too much. Um, and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, 23% of critics like this. Um, I think that's a bit low. I don't think it's as bad as that. But I, I think critics don't like this because it's tried to be more clever than it actually is. Yeah, I agree. It's overcomplicated. You you did compare this to Apollo 13 mm. in a really good analogy. Do you want to, do you want to mention that? Yeah, so... With historical events, major historical events like what happened in Tebe or Apollo 13, when the audience knows the outcome, it takes a fantastic script and, and, and superb direction to keep them captivated and on the edge of their seats. I have seen Apollo 13 probably 10 times. Yeah, Every time I watch it, I'm on the edge of my seat, even though I know what happens in the end, even though I know what happens at the end of the film, it somehow manages to draw you in. And one of the ways it does that is through the characters. Tom Hanks's character, for example, you, you really get to know him. Yeah. And it's very, very clever. And this film doesn't do that. No. So for a, for a viewer like myself who, who didn't know the outcome it still didn't suck me in. And for, for people who knew, knew knew this story, lived through this story in the 70s, they're going to go and watch this and they're going to be waiting for that big ending and it just doesn't deliver it. No. So, David, 
Is it worth it? I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think this film is worth paying a one-off ticket price. I don't think it's worth going out of your way to go to the cinema to see it. If you are a Cineworld Unlimited card holder, then I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth checking out because it's very unique and it's very different. And it's, it's certainly going to get you talking. But if you're just a regular cinema goer who's looking to go out this weekend, uh, I don't think Entebbe is the right film for you. I agree. Cheers, Greg. <laughs> Craig and I are both Cineworld Unlimited members and we think it's fantastic value. Now we're in partnership with Cineworld Hemel Hempstead, we are proud to offer you £10 off your first month of unlimited membership. This means for £7.90 you will have unlimited access to as many films as you like. And with films like Solo, A Star Wars Story, Jurassic World, A Fallen Kingdom and Incredibles 2 all coming out in the cinema soon, you are spoilt for choice. As well as unlimited films, you'll also receive 10% off food and drink in the cinema, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming films and 25% off in selected restaurants. Unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca and Belgo. All this for the special price of £7.90 for the first month. Just use the code is it worth it? So we're now reviewing our second film, which is Life of the Party, and it couldn't really be much more different uh, to the first film which we reviewed. So we have Melissa McCarthy uh, starring in the lead role of this film. And the plot is really quite simple. Um, her husband very abruptly and rather rudely, really, um, announces, doesn't ask, but announces that they're getting a divorce and this sends Melissa McCarthy's uh, character into a, a, a wine-infused, chocolate-eating midlife crisis where she starts to question who she is, uh, why she's here, etc. Uh, and she decides that what she's going to do to solve this problem is to go back to college and finish the degree which she started when she met her husband. Um, she met her husband, fell pregnant and fell out of college. So that's what she decides to do. She decides to go back to university and finish her degree. Unfortunately for her daughter, she decides to go back to the university, which she went to in the past, but that happens to be the university that her daughter is now currently attending. So we have this sort of awkward moment when, you know, a middle-aged woman turns up at university wearing very sort of over the top, middle-aged clothes and all very sort of eccentric and lots of you know the the uh, college football team um, paraphernalia and stuff like that and what this film does is it tracks the story of the mum and the daughter and all of the friends and obviously the ex-husband as well um, what can I say about this film well firstly it's too long I will I will say that um, I think this film is too long, um, probably about 15 minutes too long. Nonetheless, I, I did laugh a lot during this film, and I mean a lot. I think there are some hilariously funny moments in this film. However, overall, the film does great on you a little bit. Uh, I was saying to you before we recorded that I feel it almost has like a Ricky Gervais style, but an Americanized Ricky Gervais style. So it's working on that sort of really awkward comedy. Like this is all very awkward. I'm divorced. I'm now at college. You're my daughter. Isn't this awkward? And that is funny and it does work in small amounts. But the pace and tone of the film is exactly the same from start to finish. Yeah. And it just becomes a bit of a chore. And this is quite a unique... Oh, just bump the mic there. Um, <laughs> this is quite a unique film in the sense that I don't think I've ever watched a film where I have been annoyed and also laughed at the same time. So the film is annoying, but it's also really funny. Yeah. Um, Craig. <laughs> I, I simply agree with you in, the ter in terms of um, the film is too long. Mm. I think that... The comedy is is good comedy. It does make you laugh. However, it's so over the top. Yeah. It's it just pushes the elements of the comedy too far. You know, Melissa McCarthy is funny, but just 
just it just pushes the the dynamic between the mum and daughter too much and and unrealistically mm. um it takes the um i don't know the over the top mum stuff really over the yeah, top yeah that's what i said really really over the top yeah um and and yeah I, I i did find myself laughing at moments but again yeah too long an hour and 45 minutes worth of the same thing over and over and over again mm. i disagree with you when you say it's like the ricky gervais stuff because Ricky Gervais's stuff is obviously it's it's um he does it to get a reaction mm. some of the stuff that he says deliberately this this is done in a very different tone I think because Ricky Gervais's stuff is very dark humor this wasn't dark humor this was just like trying to get some a, of it was quite childish humor there was yeah. a little bit of dark humor in there I thought um I mean comparing it to Gervais I mean I absolutely love Ricky Gervais's work so, uh, what what I'm trying to do for our listeners is is verbally describe the style of comedy because it it's it is and the tone it's awkward and it's it grates on you a bit. See, I I would say Gervais's comedy is is clever. Mm. This was just um this wasn't clever humor. Mm. This was you know slapstick comedy. Yeah, I'd say I, I understand what you're saying. So maybe I'm I'm. You know, comparing it to, I mean, like I said, I I think Ricky Gervais is phenomenal. So comparing it to that is perhaps um, not the best comparison I've ever drawn. I did have a slight advantage with this film in that I'd not seen a trailer. Um, and I've said this before on the podcast. Trailers are sometimes the downfall of films. And they're also the, the, the reason some films succeed. For example, this film... Um, I, we, I've just watched the trailer now. It has four or five of the funniest moments in the trailer. So you watch the trailer and you laugh and you think that's a great film. You go and see it and then you're just watching a longer trailer. Having not seen the trailer was definitely an advantage. So I would say if you do want to go and see this film, try to avoid the trailer, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, M- Melissa McCarthy is is funny at the end of the day, but I think she reached her peak in The Gilmore Girls, mm. which <laughs> which I've had two other people say to me that as well. Yeah. Um and and I couldn't agree more with that. I mean her films tend to bomb a fair a fair bit and I think this is no exception. This is definitely a a, a not a good film for her. And I mean it's a shame she did she did have an input as being one of the writers on the film um as well as starring in it and yeah, I I it just didn't hit hit the spot for me. It's strange because I like this film a lot more than Craig, a lot more. And just looking at his face now, he actually looks quite sad. It's yeah, um, it's because it's because I did watch the trailer and mm. I saw it a number of times from going to the cinema and and, and obviously you catch the trailers before the films and and I felt like I'd seen the film already. Yeah, and just before I ask you the question, what was the audience reaction like in your viewing? Um, there was a lot of laughs. Yeah, because and that helped. Mm. for me because you know it gave you an indication of when to laugh as well i guess like you know because I, I found some of it funny but it just heightens that, mm. that reaction i was i was in a screening and there was myself and about 15 16 women and there was a lot of laughter and when i say laughter like really hysterical loud laughter and and audience participation is important so hearing this laughter enhanced my experience and overall um I thought this was quite a funny film. A- an annoying at the same time and too over the top and but but funny. You know, there there are worse films in the cinema at the moment than this. But I will ask you the question. Craig, Life of the Party, is it worth it? Um no. No. I think this is a film that um people will get together and watch at home um and have a laugh watching it because it will kill some time, but I don't think it's worth going to the cinema to go and see at all from from my point of view for me i think it is worth it i think it's it's definitely got its faults it's definitely too long and there is something annoying about it but there is some hilarious comedy in this and i think it and for that i think it's worth going to see in a group i i, I personally think it's worth it and that's our review of life of the party we're going to move on now to deadpool 2 If you've scrolled through your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or done anything remotely connected to the internet, you've probably seen an ad for a subscription service. Something like Dollar Shave Club, 5-4 Club, 
the Birchbox, and many, many more. You may be wondering, what is the big deal about subscription boxes? Well, Package Media is here to tell you all about them, but not just tell you about the box, but the person behind the package. Come join us and listen in as we interview the creators behind these businesses so that you can understand not only the product, but the passion behind their services. Come check us out at Packaged Media. We are subscribed. We are packaged. Yanny. 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 It's Laurel. Yanny. No, it's Laurel. Definitely Yanny. Anyway, sorry, we've got a bit sidetracked there. On to our Yanny. Next Stop review. Um, <laughs> Craig, what have we got? Uh, Deadpool Yanny. 2 is officially out in cinemas, and I think there's a big queue of people wanting to go and see that after seeing the first one. Um, but what is Deadpool 2 about, I hear you ask? So at 1 hour and 59 minutes, Deadpool 2 is uh, an action-adventure comedy where... Deadpool or Ryan Reynolds breaks the fourth wall many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our mutant mercenary Wade Wilson, aka Deadpool, brings together a team of fellow mutant 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 <laughs> rogues uh, to protect a young boy who has superhero abilities. But when Cable, a villain from the future, goes back in time to kill the young boy, it's tasked with uh, falls upon Deadpool's head to uh, save. The young boy and that's basically the premise of this film mm. shall we cut to a clip where deadpool meets our bad guy for the first time yes let's go to that my name's cable i'm from the future just walk away oh so you're from the future i have three questions then one is dubstep still a thing two which sharknado are we on and three, at what point do audiences say, enough with the robotic arms? Dumpsteps are pussies. They're so dark! These are not from the DC Universe. So I went into this film with extremely high expectations because Deadpool 1 was an absolutely brilliant film. Um, It cost around about £16 million to make and went on to make, you know, significant amounts of money. I think, was it £60 million? £60 million, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money to make. Which is what Avengers uh, Infinity Wars currently made. So that puts it in perspective, you know, that that film made a huge sum. It did, and, and not for a lot of money. And and because of that, it didn't have a lot of really high, I don't know, CGI moments, a lot of action. I mean, it had a lot of action in it, but they were more, uh, there were less CGI um, mm. moments within the film. Uh, Deadpool it, 2, however. Yeah, the first Deadpool, it wasn't big budget Hollywood action. Exactly. Um, it was it, it focused a lot more on the, on the dialogue mm. and breaking the fourth wall and... Um, I, the, the humour was a little bit better, I'd say. So Deadpool 2, it still has that fourth wall element and it still has the humour, but a little bit less so, I'd say. Um, I mean, it was extremely funny, don't get me wrong. Um, but it it chose to put a lot more money into the film and throw in a lot more high-octane action-packed sequences um, that, that sort of packed the film throughout the whole thing smash 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 kill 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 chop 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 do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) and there was a lot of that yeah Yeah, a lot of it um but that's not to say that i didn't like the film it just i had a lot more i my my expectations were a lot higher for it and therefore i don't think they met the expectations because they threw in a lot more of the action stuff Mm. and i wanted more of the humor i wanted more of the the dialogue um that wasn't really that wasn't really there like they they and they tried to create a, a bit more of a story as well in there didn't they with, yeah uh the, uh the emotions and and tragedies that befalls deadpool as well which we won't reveal because it will spoil the film yep but they they threw all of that in there to to sort of give it more it didn't need mm. more though i think the the problem the deadpool franchise now has is that 
um, the first film was the complete opposite of every other Marvel film. So it was self-deprecating. Mm. It was sort of like highly inappropriate humor, um, just very unique and very different. Some people would want will will have wanted more of that, and you do get more of that in Deadpool too. But the problem is, is that if you just have more of that, more of that, more of that, how much of that can you have? So what they've tried to do, and this is where it divides opinion, is almost incorporate the very thing that the film was against, which is that high budget action and also that stereotypical sort of um, uh, love story or, or quest for one's true identity that's found in a lot of comic book films, comic book yeah. films you know, yeah. uh, Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man, the Hulk, who am I? Am I, am I the mutant or am I the real me? And for me... Actually, the the drama element, the more serious element, I thought it was done very, very well. Does that mean that it works? I'm not a hundred percent sure because it it, for example, I felt quite emotional. There are times when I think Ryan Reynolds is, I mean, he's fantastic throughout the first and second film comedically. Yeah, but he's actually also, I mean, I know he gets stick for Green Lantern in some of the, some of his other films. He's a very talented actor, um, and you do see that in this film. But it still feels out of place. Um, and having seen the second film, I think there's no doubt that there's going to be a third. And what the creators and the cast will have to do is decide where are we going with this? Are we going to continue down this route or are we going to go back to the the origins that we got in Deadpool 1? Um, look, I think if you go and see this film, I don't think you're going to come out disliking it no uh, you won't be disappointed it's, it's it's not a bad film you but you might come out slightly disappointed if that makes sense so you won't dislike it but you might think oh a slight disappointment yeah 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 because yeah, i wasn't disappointed mm. in the overall film i was disappointed that it wasn't more like the first film and they put more there was obviously more budget now because it made a lot of money and that changes a film but the, but the strange thing is, I mean, we've just been trying to find a clip uh, for our listeners. And whilst doing that, we've seen a number of sort of trailers and sketches, one with David Beckham. And they're very, very funny. That is, that is Deadpool. That is Deadpool. We literally just mm. watched a clip with David Beckham. It's on YouTube if you haven't seen it. And it's very, very funny. So with Deadpool, you actually haven't just got Deadpool 2. You've almost got a film that the film actually isn't the whole thing. Because there's been so many trailers and so many interviews and so many different things that it's like it is like a whole package. Yeah. Um, what I will say is one of the characters, uh, the young character, so Deadpool is uh, trying to save this this young kid, um, and he is called Julian Dennison, uh, and he plays Russell. Um, now I don't know whether it's because he's acting alongside the likes of Josh Brolin, who's a, a, an incredible actor, and Ryan Reynolds, who's perfectly cast as Deadpool and is brilliant. He just doesn't feel right in this film. His acting it feels very wooden. It feels very very scripted, quite forced. Um, when there are emotional scenes, he, I don't think he brings much to them. Um, he he does stand out, and like like I say, I don't know whether that's I'm not saying he's bad, um, but it comes across that way. And maybe that's just because of the talent that's surrounding him. But I certainly did feel that he was slightly out of place in this film, which mm. is a shame for such a major and character. I would agree with you. Uh, and I, I do feel that he was the only one that was out of place. Mm. Everybody else within the film, you know, Eddie Marzan is back again as the headmaster. You've got um, you know, Josh Brolin as, as Cable and he was brilliant. Uh, you know, even Brad Pitt was in the film. Yes, uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt does have a very small cameo, although you've just ruined it. Um, spoiler alert. Well, we don't we don't say who he is. No, we don't. Um so I'm just yes, I mean, if you look at his IMDB profile, he hasn't really for who? been for who, sorry? Julian Dennison. Right. He hasn't really been in a lot of stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a young actor. He's, you know, he's this, this is obviously his first major, major role by the looks of it. Um, but but uh, from a, from a, from a critical perspective, I just felt he, um, he just wasn't up to it really, no. but he is surrounded by, you know, Rob Delaney as Peter. I thought he was hilarious. I yeah. Mean, not in the film that long, was he? No, but, but I've, Still outstanding, hilarious. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there, there was there was a lot of good characters in the film. Mm. And before I ask you the question, I I think what is important to get across is when you have a film like this that has been so hyped up, mm. so talked about, people have been so, so looking forward to it, it's always going to be difficult to to meet those expectations. Mm. Um, because the first Deadpool, you you weren't expecting much. No. And you got so much more. So it was always going to be difficult. And in, in the second one, there was a trailer, I think a little bit before the beginning mm. of the trailer, where they said, well, expectations are up here, really yeah. high. And uh, some people are going to go below. So we mm. aim for the middle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's Deadpool breaking the fourth wall. That's what we like. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's, he was. And, uh, yeah. And like you said, I, I hadn't actually seen the first Deadpool because it's not something from my personal film. Um, what's the word? Repertoire. Repertoire. My personal film enjoyment. Yeah. It's not the sort of film that I would seek out. But blimey, did I enjoy it. I thought it was fantastic. And because I have issues with superhero films and I dislike how seriously they take themselves sometimes, my word, I like the first one. And I like the second one, but it, it doesn't quite meet the expectations. And my final point I'll make before asking you the question is I am concerned with where they go with it. Yeah. Definitely a third. I can tell you that now from seeing the second. How many, though? Will there be Deadpool 3? Will there be Deadpool 4? Will it be like Insidious? Will it never end? The, the problem that we've got now is now Marvel has bought out Fox. Mm. Fox were the ones that were peddling Deadpool, X-Men. Marvel now has control of these assets. They could combine them into the Avengers. They could do whatever they want with them. And Deadpool, I think, needs to be separate. Yeah, because we spoke, didn't we, about bring the Deadpool, Deadpool into, into the, the Avengers. Avengers. That would be no weird. And it'd be funny, though. It'd be funny it? if he turned up <laughs> yeah, for well, a I cameo. Th- yeah. But I, I can't see them taking it to the extreme and bringing him on board as an Avenger. No, neither can I. Um, but my concern is, is that if they make a third, is, is it just going to be a, a little bit like Insidious, actually? First one, brilliant. Second one, not quite as good. And then by the time you got to the third and the fourth, it was becoming disastrous. Mm. That's my concern. This is a fantastically unique piece of cinema and a, and a unique franchise. Don't ruin it. Um, so I'm now left wanting a third, but worried about it mm. as opposed to looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, David, Deadpool 2, is it worth it? Number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, was it worth going to see it in IMAX? Ah, yes. So is it worth it? Yes. Look, I think of all the films that's out at the moment, there's no better film to go and see with your mates. You, you will laugh. The action is is very good. Obviously, they've had a much bigger budget. Um, and is it worth seeing on IMAX? It's, it's, it's always tough with IMAX, but yes. Um, I think if you're going to go and see this in the cinema, why not see it in the biggest possible screen with the best possible picture and the best possible sound? Um so, yeah, if you're going to go and see Deadpool 2, go with your mates and go with IMAX. And why not email us and go with your mate for free? Yeah, let us know what you think of other films that you yeah. have seen. And then you might win yourself some tickets to see Deadpool 2 in IMAX in any cine world in the UK. Mr. Fields, any concluding remarks? No, I'm, I'm happy with your remarks because I'd agree it is worth going to see in the cinema. And I think you're right, IMAX probably the best. We have no more to say, Your Honour. <laughs> Welcome back. We're now on to our last review, which is Breaking In, starring Gabrielle Union. She plays Sean Russell, who is a mother of two. She has a son and a daughter. And the plot for this film really is quite simple. Her father has just passed away. She seemed to have a very broken relationship with her father. But nonetheless, she takes her two children to her father's house to deal with his affairs. What becomes evident is that he was a politician and seems to have been involved in some sort of political scandal. Therefore, there seems to be a large sum of money in this house. What then unfolds is that a number of quite stereotypical and rather ludicrous bad guys (laughs) turn up um, attempting to break into the unbreakable house. It's like a fortress with all its high tech. And it's up to Sean to not only look after herself, but more importantly, look after her son and daughter, who are obviously terrified of these 
completely psychotic, over-the-top lunatics. And this is a clip here where we see Sean comforting her very, very scared daughter. So I think that's a very good clip because it, it really does very briefly show you what the film is about. And the film really has a, a theme of female empowerment. Um, and that's mostly because Gabrielle Union is the is the lead role in this film. Uh, and it's her job to defend her children. And often in films, you know, think of stuff like Taken. When children are threatened, what do you get? You get Liam Neeson, you know. And in other films, it's normally, you know, Bruce Willis, you know, the man coming to save the day. Whereas this film takes a completely different stance. Um, and for that, I think it deserves credit. Um, it does. I think Gabrielle Union, she really shows the potential of what mm. she can do. Um, really, she was fantastic in the film. Yeah, if anything, this film is an advert for her talent, and mm. I th I'm not hoping from this film she will get more opportunities. I also thought that the um, the two children played by Seth Carr and Ajona Alexis um, were were fantastic. Yeah, they were. Um, I, I thought they were really good. One of the downfalls of this film isn't the three main characters, or in fact, the plot. It's the buffoons that are trying to execute this home invasion. Um, and I think you made the, con the comparison. So the, the film tries to be serious. And then the people who come to rob the house are complete morons. Almost Home Alone-esque. Yeah, it does fall into the realms of Home Alone, especially with, with the high-tech gadgets that are involved as well. Mm. Uh, at one point, um, Glover... The, the the son of Sean, he's flying around a a, a drone um, with a camera on it, and it does get used within within the sequences uh, of the of the film. Yes, that's cool, but it becomes very Home Alone esque, mm. and 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 yeah, I know it, what you mean. Sort of the the kid with the with the remote control car, yeah. and the guy's going to come in and slip on the remote control car. Yeah, um, and that was disappointing because. Like I said, the three main characters are very good, actually. Well-developed. Mm. Yeah. The script, I mean, they don't really have much to work with, which shows even more, actually, I think, some of the abilities they have. But the 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 burglars, the, the, the bad guys, oh, my word, they're so stereotypical. So we've got one guy who is, I think, you know, perfectly designed for Home Alone. He's, you know, thick as a plank um, and about as useful as a chocolate fire guard. Mm -hmm. uh, the other guy is a very over-the-top, very stereotypical Mexican. So he's got the sort of the gold teeth, the tattoos, and he's the bad guy. And we're going to prove he's the bad guy by this completely in unnecessary act of really gory violence out of nowhere. Um, and then you've got the, the lead character who's played by Billy Burke, who sort of walks around with the gun at various points in the film, sort of, you know, come out, come out wherever you are. And it's like, this wouldn't happen. There's a large sum of money. You would come in, get the money and leave and you would be organised. Yeah. Why aren't you organised? It's almost like the stupidity that there was in um, Strangers Pray at Night. It's like, this is the three, this, this is like you've just won the gold, silver and bronze in the Moron Olympics. You know, <laughs> you could not have selected three more cretinous men yep. to come and carry out this, um, this robbery. Yeah. Um, so overall, look, I mean, I think the three protagonists are, 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 um, are, 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 <laughs> are uh, give very good performances. Gabrielle Union, I think she should go on to bigger and better things. The same with the two child actors. Um, but no, um, not, not for me. I, I just, I think it tries to be serious and it lets itself down with some fairly cliche and stupid Bad guys. Yeah, I completely agree with you. My my thoughts are that this heart was in the right place. Mm. Where the the way Hollywood is going at the minute is trying to give female empowerment a, a go, and it really should. Mm. And it this film is halfway there. It just needed to have some more well developed bad guys in it. Yeah, 
that the, I think that the gave it that that element. The letdown of this film is is by no means anything to do with Gabrielle Union. She is mm-hmm. the shining light, really, in this film. Yep. it's let down by um, poorly acted, poorly cast, and poorly written um, bad guys. So, Craig, is it worth it? No. <laughs> And we've now come to the end of this week's show. Thank you very much for listening to week 11 of the Film Review Podcast, Is It Worth It? Yes, thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, And please do get in contact with us if you would like to be in with a chance of winning those two free cinema tickets, including IMAX. Yes, to get in touch with us, all you need to do is drop us an email. The email address is mymailisworthit at gmail.com. Now, within that email, we want to know about the films that you have seen in the cinema. It's very simple. A nice little review of the films that you have seen. Yes, and we will read that review out, and then you will be in receipt of those free tickets. And yes, I made a mistake. I'm an old man. We will not be posting them to you, because nobody sends letters anymore. This is now a digital age. We will be able to send you a code. How incredible is that? A code that can be redeemed at any Cineworld within the UK and can be used within the next six months. And it really is that simple. It won't descend into some sort of Liam Neeson film where you have to find and break the code. No, it will be very, very simple for you. A code. Just a simple code. Um, Yes, also, uh, look us up on Twitter at Film Is Worth It. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, swipe right on Tinder for David Long. You keep asking people to swipe right. I'm going to keep asking it until someone does. <laughs> How many matches? N- uh, none. Oh. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. It's and Laurel. Hmm? Yanni. No, Laurel. It's Laurel. It's definitely Yanni. It's Laurel. We will let our viewers decide. See you next week. That was all about. That was the uh, Laurel Laurel. and Yanni clip. So if you can hear Laurel like I can, then you're normal. What what are you doing? Why are you carrying on recording without me? (laughs) (laughs) You hit yourself in the face. This is just a little podcast extra, I suppose. Um, Oh, is this like uh, this is a Marvel add-on at the end for anyone who's still listening? Yeah, end credits. See if anyone's still listening. But um, yeah, I heard Laurel. It's really weird because Craig found the video. I heard Laurel, and now I hear Yanni again.